0: Well, this Sunday, as we celebrate the Feast of the Most Holy Trinity, it brings us back to the basics. But the basics are sometimes the most complicated as well. Right, that basic question of who is God? That's the question that Moses is asking the Lord in our first reading from Exodus, right, for the Lord to reveal his name. It's a question that's been asked by philosophers and by seeking minds, right, for thousands of years. This question of who is God? And we know that from just studying creation and looking at the world around us, we can come to the deduction, we can come to know that there is a God, and we can come to know a little bit about him by what he's created. right? Just as I can come to know a little bit about a carpenter by the work of a carpenter. right? Or an auto mechanic by the work of the cars he does. right? So the same, I can come to know a little bit about God by seeing the beautiful creation he's made. But to truly know who God is... For that to happen, he had to reveal himself to us. He had to make a revelation to us. So we first, we see that in our first reading. Moses asked to see the Lord. The Lord proclaims his name. A name so holy that the Jewish people won't even speak it. We say that name is Yahweh. Generally, I won't speak it either out of respect for the Jewish people. And so the Lord proclaims, Lord, Lord, God of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, abounding and merciful. I think sometimes we can draw the tension in our minds and sometimes believe it that there's two gods in the bible that there's a god of the old testament that's kind of vengeful and mean and then there's a god of the new testament who is as we hear in the first letter of john who is the god who is love but that's not the case the god that we see in the Old Testament, is the same God in the New Testament. It is the triune God in all of it. And it's this God who, in this playing out of this wonderful drama, he seeks his creation. right? Human beings, his creation. He seeks out a relationship with them. And time and time and time again, over and over, he's denied. He's rejected. His love's rejected. But this Lord who's steadfast in mercy and abounding in love continues to pursue in love. That's the story of the Old Testament. Story of the New Testament is what we hear in today's gospel. It's the most quoted verse of scripture. For good reason it's the most quoted because it is the heart of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Those who believe in him might not perish but may have eternal life. This God who pursues relationship with his people wanted so much for that relationship to be restored, for that sin to be canceled out, for us to be brought back in relationship with him, that he became one with us. As any good parent would know, right? Love can't truly happen without justice as well. If I love my child and they do something wrong, it's not loving for me to just ignore it and act like nothing happened. There has to be something to restore. Otherwise, worse and worse things would happen. In the same way, our Lord knew that justice had to take place for our sins. And the way that he made that happen, which is the mercy that balances the justice, is that he became the man, God became the man that served and that made justice for our sin. That made the sacrifice acceptable to God. That's how unrelenting and how steadfast the love of God is. Several years back I had a lady who would talked to me at church who was convinced that everyone, if everyone in the world read the book Heaven is for Real, then all the world's problems would be solved. It's not exactly what she said, but that's the words I put into her mouth. And I was feeling a little rambunctious that day, which is pretty usual for me. And so my reply to her was, I think we much more need a book that says hell is for real. And this lady, knowing me not to be normally the fire and brimstone preacher, was a little bit intrigued. And so I explained to her, if I don't believe that the consequences of sin are true, that there's a true and real consequence for sin, then it completely cancels out the mercy that God shows in becoming one with us. And if God were just to be like a parent that ignores the wrongdoings of their child and brushes them aside like they didn't happen, if God were to be that way, that wouldn't be justice. In heaven, wouldn't it truly be heaven? Right, because there would be wrongs that were committed that weren't made up for. But to believe that this God sent His only Son, John three sixteen says this right: that we may not perish, but have eternal life. We have to believe that there was a real chance. On the other side of it, with the balance of mercy, that we're not all hellfire and brimstone here, right? the faith to know that God makes true on His promise that we who believe in Him, that unite ourselves to His passion, His death, and His resurrection will indeed rise with Him. So how do we make that practical in our own lives? This fact that the Lord seeks us out. Right? I believe that this drama played out in the Bible of God seeking out, man rejecting him. God seeking out, man rejecting him. I don't think it would be a far-fetched to say that probably happens in all of our lives, Right? God pursues us with love and we reject him over and over and over and over again. But we learn and we know that the Lord is steadfast in his love and he continues to pursue us. When we turn to him, he forgives us and pours his mercy on us but we have to have that time and that space that we make for the Lord to approach us in his mercy. I think sometimes when we get into prayer, we can get all caught up in this worry of, is God speaking to me? Right? Is the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit speaking to me? We can get our mind running racetracks around that thought. Here's the fact of the matter. The fact that I knelt down or folded my hands or grabbed my rosary or opened my Bible came into the stance of prayer itself means that I already heard the voice of God. Because the very fact that when I come into prayer and conversation with God, it is he who led me there first. I can't come to pray to God without God leading me there first. So the very fact that I'm praying means that I already heard God. That should allow us to relax a little in prayer. To know that what, the moment I pray, God is already there. And so this next w- week, let us take that challenge there. To set aside some time and allow God just to be with us. To speak to us. Maybe it's just 15 minutes. Maybe it's 30 minutes. Maybe it's even a full-fledged hour. But just to take that time and allow God to speak with us. Allow God to pursue us with his mercy.